for someone to sit there and say that, hey, my scam shouldn't matter. I should be allowed to do whatever I want because there are people afraid for their lives in the Ukraine is insane. That is insane and vaguely sociopathic. That's it. That's my intro. Hi, and welcome back to the Swell Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, but you can call me Swell. Here on the Swell Shenanigans podcast, I like talking about all things pop culture, social media, and shenanigans. And this episode, we're doing another solo Swell episode. And the reason I've been doing so many solo Swell episodes is not because I can't get guests. It's that I'm not sure who I want to reach out to. It's not like I'm reaching out to people and they're not replying. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, before I had like a whole list of people and I still do, I just, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. What can I reach out to them for? You know? So it's a work in progress. But if you guys have any suggestions for any uh, people that you think have shenanigans they would like to share on or uh, people who are way too obsessed about various topics or scams or shenanigans, please let me know and we can bring them on. Or hell, if you know someone who is a YouTuber and they have done a lot of shenanigan things and they want to come on and just recount their own shenanigans, I think that could be fun. Before we jump into a bunch of the topics that I want to cover today, I want to address the fact that there was no video or episode last week. Uh, There was no particular reason. Nothing was wrong. It's just the week got away from me. And then suddenly it was Tuesday and I was like, crap. And I could have scrounged something together for an episode, but I wouldn't have been happy with it. It probably would have been late anyway. So I just went ahead and gave myself permission to not have the episode for the week. So sorry about that. There was no notice. It was just like, crap, where'd the week go? Nothing was wrong. Everything's fine. Uh, Today is actually, it's actually my dad's birthday week this week. So by the time this episode comes out, we already have had his birthday and his little birthday party. But yeah, so the week just got away from me last week. So that's really it. There's a couple of different topics that we're going to cover today. Uh, I'm going to start with the NFT one because I feel like that's all I've been talking about lately is NFT scams. And there's so many of them, but we have another one. Yay. Uh, This one is from Lana Rhodes. And this happened a little while ago, but she is continuously or started speaking on it again and is just digging herself a deeper hole with her NFT uh, rug pull that happened. So basically, Lana Rhodes, for those of you who don't know, is a, I believe, former porn star is how she would describe herself and a content creator slash influencer. As you guys know, I have no problems with adult stars or sex workers in any capacity. So if you're expecting me to sit here and be like, this happened because of X, that's not why. Um, Because if that were the case, then none of these other crypto influencer scams, uh, NFT scams that I've talked about would have happened if it was just because this woman is a sex worker. So if you're expecting me to sit here and be like, down with sex work, I just, I won't do that. Sorry, it's not happening. But Lana Rhodes did, I believe it was called a Crypto Cuties NFT line and uh, was talking about it, has been doing it for a couple of weeks now, and then out of nowhere, stopped marketing it. Then it seems like 1.5 million was allegedly withdrawn from the credits or something. I still don't fully know how the rug pulls with the NFTs are happening other than people who have the NFTs that are worth money, selling them for lower and bringing down the value, but then also potentially making their money back, which I think is what happened with this. Uh, There was a new NFT that was potentially going to be a scam. And then they were like, lying and saying that they had sold all this, but they had sold it to themselves and they were trying to sell it all back quietly and lower to make more to make money, but then not nearly as much as they were claiming they were making. It's a whole thing. But anyway, it's alleged that 1.5 million was rugged from the people who had invested into 
the NFTs. And uh, originally it was like, this didn't happen. You don't understand what you're talking about. Coffeezilla made a video talking about this, going through a lot of it. And then apparently his video in particular really upset Lana because she made a tweet that said, uh, YouTubers are scum of the earth and uh, will do anything for views. I mean, I don't think we're scum of the earth, but some of us will do anything for views. But I think his video was very, hes his videos are usually very well researched. I got a lot out of his videos. He's pretty good about showing his receipts of why he believes these things happened or how they were able to be done and things like that. So as far as anything for views, I mean, he did a lot of work if this was anything for views situation. But uh, people started criticizing her because of this tweet and then others. And then she talked about how the reason they shut down the NFT project was for a lot of different reasons reasons. But one of the things she mentioned was that she was getting a lot of hate from the crypto community and that that is why she decided to uh, close out the product and pull the money out to pay the other developers on it. And so she's claiming that though there was 1.5 million, the 1.5 million getting pulled out, that's not being disputed. She is not disputing that. She is claiming she got a fraction of that, though. She did not get the full 1.5 million. And CoffeeZilla's response is, okay, then let's put that back in and pay back the investors with that. Because again, as I've said before, with crypto and with NFTs, the rate that it's at, someone has to buy it at that for it to be worth something, you know? So if something goes for $20, someone would have had to have bought a $20 coin at some point, okay? So the money is directly, the, the value comes from the people giving it money, okay, and buying it. So when you pull the money out, when you bought something at this and then you pull it out in Hermes, I swear to God, sorry, he's going on the bed. So she's claiming she got a fraction of that. She's claiming that some people were being very mean spirited and leaving mean comments. And that's partly why she decided to shut down this project. She just couldn't deal with it anymore, which I don't want to say that that shouldn't be the case because I do think that everyone has different tolerances for different things. Just because you were once a sex worker and uh, or a porn star and you were dealing with the Pornhub comment sections does not mean you were then immediately desensitized to any form of criticism whatsoever. You know, and I, I disagree with that because I have seen some people being like, you got these comments, but these ones bug you. So I'm not denying that these comments potentially bugged her. However, the comments that I think were shown, because she started getting active on the Discord again for this project, the comments that were shown, one of them in particular, was one where someone said that uh, he was upset that the money hadn't come back yet or that the money wasn't working out because he had invested $4,000. He only had 6000 and he had a two-year-old to take care of, which, I mean, having questions about the project and asking, hey, when are we going to receive the return on the investment or X, Y, and Z? Like, when should we be expecting that? Those aren't really hate comments. I'm not saying that she didn't get hate comments. I'm just saying the examples that were given were very, like, there were questions about the, the project that she was the head of, the face of, you know? So the money was pulled out. She later said that people were, um, who worked on the project didn't deserve to get, like, she was basically compl- uh, saying that the people complaining about the money being pulled out were shitting on the people who worked on the project. Like, oh, they don't deserve to get paid. They don't deserve to pay their bills. And it's like, no one's saying that, but also 1.5 million is one, obscene. Two, okay, everyone in this industry, whenever I talk about this before, crypto, investing in general, there is risk and there is reward. When you make an investment, you are taking a risk, okay? There's a chance you're not gonna get that money back. Okay, regardless of what you do. The last couple of years, because they've gamified investing and everything, 
that they don't talk about that anymore because people only show the reward. They're not talking about the risk. I guarantee you that so many of these like crypto millionaires that you see these days have also lost probably tens of thousands of dollars leading up to that. And so that being said, people seem to forget that 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 one, there's a risk of an investment there regardless, regardless of what you invest, okay? However, I think people also forget that starting a business or a new business venture is also a risk. These NFT people, these influencers getting involved in NFTs, you are taking a risk. You are getting involved in something that could not work out. That is on you. You did that of your own free will. If you suddenly are down 10 grand, That's the nature of business. That's how it works. You were probably sold, hey, this is going to be easy money for you. And so the moment you have to do any form of work past that drives you insane. And you think that, no, that's not what I signed up for. I'm just going to pull all my money out. And then that's how you get a rug pull. Whether you start a merch line, start a small business, start a coffee line, start an NFT line, you are taking a risk. You are making an investment into the future of your business. You're probably going to lose some money. And anyone who tells you otherwise is playing you for a fucking idiot, okay? And I'll say that to any of these influencers' faces who didn't think they were getting involved in a risk because this is insane. But that's what happened here. You take a risk. You make an investment. The fact that any of these people are like, oh, two months and I didn't make my money back? Mm, I'm going to pull all my money out. Like, are you insane? That's insane. You know, like there are so many companies who don't make money in the first year, you know, like, oh God, I hate the NFT market. I'll say it. This crypto market is so bastardized now. It doesn't even make sense. And the, the entitlement of the people getting involved is insane. Anyway, Lana, if you hear this, you should give the money back or at least your fraction if you can't give back the full 1.5 million, but also like that, that's just insane. And also Saito, she's already a millionaire. There was one time where she made like quarter of a million in one week, or at least that's what her and her ex were talking about when she was on uh, Logan Paul's YouTube channel or what's his name's Mike Majelak or whatever his name was, her ex-boyfriend. She was making bank at one point and I don't think that she has stopped making bank since then. So this it's, it's, oh God, she's worth so much money, you know? So it's not like she's hard up for cash and I'm assuming that, okay, because I know that I, as an influencer, as a content creator, this is not going to last. Okay. That's why I now do this podcast. So I'm building up another side of content and an audience that I like doing, but it's another avenue for me to make content and potentially make money from. I do merch, all of this other stuff. You know, I'm writing a book, you know, there's stuff that I'm doing because I'm getting involved in other avenues because I know that YouTube is not going to last me for the rest of my life. I think we're seeing that on an insane scale now because some of these influencers and these content creators have already reached a peak where they've made so much money. They think that unless they're making more money quicker, they are not doing enough, you know? So I think that's why the, they are open, you know what I'll say, to be preyed upon by these NFT companies and these random backers who were like, oh yes, be the face of our NFT company. And not to say that they are free of blame or anything because they are involved in these, these are, they are getting involved in something that they, some of them clearly have no knowledge of. And they are touting this to their audience and taking their money that is on them. But like, I think that this 
oh, so much of this comes down to a lack of knowledge over the space, you know, and the NFT market is making it very easy to have no knowledge of it because so many of them are just like, we're better than you. You know, I still think they have a branding issue. Oh yeah, the other thing that Lana did um, where she said that people complaining about the rug pull and losing money on the NFT is a waste of time because of what's happening in the Ukraine right now with the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, which my heart goes out to all Ukrainians. That's where I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not educated enough on the topic to sit here and weigh in on potential war conflicts. And I'm just, I'm not going to pretend to do that. So that's my only statement is, uh, Godspeed. Good for you. Okay. Keep, keep kicking ass, be safe. But for someone to sit there and say that, Hey, my scam shouldn't matter. I should be allowed to do whatever I want because there are people afraid for their lives in the Ukraine is insane. That is insane and vaguely sociopathic because one, I'm sorry you weren't just allowed to scam people and take money from people. How dare we talk about that? Most people, despite what the media would have you believe, are capable of caring about more than one thing at a time. They are capable of caring about world issues while also worried about how they're going to feed their families that night. You know, like they are worried about keeping a roof over their heads, whether or not they're going to get their money back from a photo, a JPEG that they paid for. You know, like people are capable of more than one thing and caring about more than one thing at a time. Despite what social media will have you believe if I post about something and Sims like, what about this thing? Why aren't you talking about this thing? That's just people are capable of carrying more than one thing. Just saying. But that was where she lost me entirely. And I was just like, yeah, no, you can't tell me that like you have good intentions here anymore. That's insane. Anyway, a bunch of content creators and celebrities are getting sued over the safe moon thing, which happened a couple of months ago slash last year, I believe time is a black hole during a pandemic. Safe moon was one of those uh, crypto coins that got launched around the time of GameStop taking off, like take to the moon, you know, that whole thing, safe moon, the marketing was built in, they got a bunch of people involved. And it was one of those cryptos that there was really no way to cash out. So you kind of just put money in and hope for the best. And then now since then it was pumped and dumped and it's down to nothing. And uh, honestly, I'm gonna be honest, at the time before I, I, I put money into crypto before I fully knew what was going on, okay? I put money into Doge in 2020 when I was gonna do a video on Robinhood investment. I put like $100 onto the app and I was gonna buy $25 worth of a bunch of stocks that TikTok told me to buy. And one of those was Dogecoin when they were pumping and dumping it. And I immediately lost like $24, like very immediately. And I just never sold. And then it took off when it went up in January. And that's the reality of my Dogecoin investment, okay? But then after that, I looked into a bunch of other cryptos things and I could not figure out how to buy SafeMoon. Like it was that difficult. And I remember there was a bunch of influencers and content creators who were trying to make shorts and like how to properly buy SafeMoon. Like it was the next like how to make money quickly, okay, was SafeMoon. And all of these creep people were getting involved in it. So Jake Paul has been mentioned. A couple other celebrities and stuff have been mentioned. So that's, maybe we'll see something come out of this because I think that the more lawsuits and stuff that happen, as bad as it sounds, I don't want lawsuits to happen. But like, if that's what it takes for there to be more regulation, like we just saw that there was that couple that was uh, sued for ripping off something like 2.3 billion or whatever in a hack of Bitcoin a couple of years ago. And they just experienced the largest seizure of personal assets in uh, US history because of that, which is insane. I think it's going to be cases like that and cases like this where there's going to, we're going to start seeing regulation of these spaces at some point. And, you know, you knew it was coming at some point. There was a lawsuit I just heard about. Let me find it. This is from Engage 
T or engaged at. I don't know what it's called. And God and and gadget i don't fucking know anyway OpenSea faces 1 million dollar lawsuit over stolen board nfts see nfts non-fungible tokens that implies it can't be stolen something being stolen i think instantly makes it fungible so these are no longer nfts these are now fungible things an owner claims it knew about a bug that allowed eight purchases far below market value. A man who unknowingly sold his Bored Ape NFT for a pittance is suing OpenSea, claiming it knew about a flaw in its platform that allowed hackers to buy unlisted NFTs at a fraction of the market price. Decrypt has reported, Timothy McKimmy alleged in a complaint that he didn't even list his Bored Ape number 3475 for sale, but a hacker managed to buy it for just 0.01 Ethereum, $26, and turn around and sell it for 99 Ethereum, $250,000 at current price. The ape is one of 10,000 limited edition board ape yacht club primate NFTs. I hate life. Oh my God. And supposedly in the top 14th percentile in terms of value. McKimmy said in the lawsuit, he noted that it's significant rarer than one recently purchased by Justin Bieber for 1.3 million. Thus, he's seeking the return of the board ape and or damages over 1 million. Moreover, he claims that OpenSea knew about the bug that was widely reported in the media, but refused to halt trading. Instead of shutting down its platform to address and rectify these security issues, defendant continued to operate. So apparently this inactive listing exploit on OpenSea caused multiple users to lose up to 1.8 million in NFTs. OpenSea has reportedly been approaching some victims to settle, offering them a lower price than their NFT may be worth, according to NF uh, Decrypt. The lawsuit may not be the last it faces over the inactive listing hack. As a law firm is reportedly soliciting complaints from the OpenSea users, the platform is also facing a separate phishing campaign that resulted in theft of NFTs, but OpenSea said that that didn't arise from any platform vulnerability. This is where the issue comes in because most of these are non The part of the NFT craze and crypto craze is that you can do it mostly anonymously. The problem is when you publicize, oh, I bought this, and then people like CopyZilla can go and check your public wallet on the blockchain and find out which one is yours, basically, based on the sellings and buyings of the time that you're talking about. I think the same thing can go for the NFTs. Like, even a, let's say a hacker was able to get in, was able to buy it. Technically, that purchase, it may have been a, an illegal. Uh, method in which they were able to do it. But let's say the the purchase itself was legal because of how it was done. You know, technically he did in fact buy it for $26, 0.1 Ethereum, which is lower than what they're estimating it's worth. Still don't, I still don't fully understand the value of NFTs. I'm just saying the board Ape NFTs, I'm not a fan. But anyway, let's say there's that. And then there's also then able to turn around and sell it. So it, technically this, the sale itself whether it was allowed or not, or a hack or not, I believe the sale is technically legal. So yeah, they can't sue the person who hacked it. They can only sue OpenSea. I bet this dude tried to sue OpenSea, uh, tried to sue the uh, hacker themselves. But like, that's even risky because like, let's say, okay, hey, I stole this person's ape and then I sold it. And then, you know, now you know that I had your ape, you know, like, it, it, isn't that... I mean, still, it's all under screen names, but I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I think that's, I have questions. But yes, OpenSea faces that one lawsuit. There's a new company, uh, Mintable, 
NFT marketplace Mintable recovers stolen OpenSea NFTs. And they're saying that they, they're finding stolen NFTs from a phishing attack that happened to OpenSea, like I mentioned, and they're reuniting them, which it's kind of funny. Again, doesn't this all automatically make them now fungible? Aren't they now all fungible things if they can, in fact, be stolen? I am a fungible human. If someone comes and kidnaps me, I am fungible, you know? But like an AI could potentially be non-fungible, right? Am I losing my mind? I might be losing my mind. But anyway, that's that. What else? What was the other thing I was going to talk about? There were several other things. Oh, yes, Brittany Dawn. So for those of you who don't know, Brittany Dawn, I'm going to link a great video from Fundy Fridays on YouTube because they did a very great uh, in-depth hour-long video about this whole thing. I had never heard about Brittany Dawn until when her first, uh, she was first canceled a couple of years ago. And I remember exactly where I was when the Brittany Dawn canceling happened. Brittany Dawn was a fitness influencer and she is now kind of segued into uh, like, religious influencing. Not that she was never not a religious influencer before that. It was all very, all of, even all of her diet tips and everything were really rooted in religion. If you watch the Funday Friday videos, because they, they break it down really well and show the evidence that like even her earlier videos were very pretty rooted in religion. And so what happened was, is she started a workout slash diet program. Okay. Where you could buy in and you would get a customized workout plan, diet plan, And you would also get access to her as like your coach and your point of contact for your fitness and health journey. Eventually, these people, it was mostly young women that got involved in this. Eventually, what ended up happening is they realized that, oh, there was very little interaction from Brittany herself. Both the workout and the food plans were kind of very basic. And so they started comparing them. And they realized, I think that everyone had the same plan. There was no customization. There was no variation whatsoever. That's at least my understanding of the original fallout that happened. I remember specifically, there was a video that accompanied this where Brittany was either at a meet and greet or at a trade show, a fitness trade show or something. This is all pre-pandemic. Okay. I would, I believe I was at uh, a marketing event that I was doing videography for. Like, I remember I was like running the camera and then checking Twitter at the same time. Cause I was like, Ooh, there's drama in the fitness side other than Photoshop. This is fascinating. Like it was one of those things. I remember there was a video that came up where a a dad walks in and said, you stole money from my daughter. You ripped off my daughter and was like, she's sitting there like arms crossed, looking smug while another guy that was at the booth with her is like, Hey, get away from here. You're not allowed here. You need to leave. Like basically getting between this dad and Brittany, which Hey, I don't believe in confronting someone like that in public, but then also at the same time, like her response fucking pissed me off. She wasn't like, it didn't look like she was scared or anything. It was just like, oh, really? I ripped off your daughter? Like it was that. But he was alleging that uh, the daughter had basically bought into this program and then was ripped off the way that everything else fell apart. Okay. And I remember specifically part of this, when this came out, she did a apology video where she's reading off of her phone, used the phrase, I am human in her apology and that she is still new into the influencer space and that this is still a new space and that she's like, you know, on the verge of tears the entire time, not to say she's not actually worked up, but you know, being held accountable for your actions, it can be really traumatizing. <laughs> I, that's mean of me, but still, I don't know. I, I don't think you can say that it's, it's one thing to admit that you bit off more than you can chew. Hey, 
I had this idea originally I had good intentions and then I just got overwhelmed and I couldn't keep up with the demand of customizing every single thing for every single person. I just couldn't do it. That's one thing. Doesn't mean that it's right. That means that you then refund the people you can't, you can't, you know, compensate or you can't give what you're offering and you end it there. It does not mean that you then give everyone the same thing and then cry later. But then what ended up happening, I believe this was her, is she had, I, I remember talking about this at the time because I remember people were like, is this a thing that they can do where to get your refund for your fitness program, you had to sign something to, like when you were filling out for the refund, they, she tried or her people tried to slide in an NDA in the like fine print of the agreement. So that basically in order to get your money back, you had to agree that you were not going to speak about the program or speak negatively about Britney publicly or to the press or anything like that that might happen. And that I think you couldn't sue. And I believe what it was determined then is like, you have to knowingly be engaging and or knowingly sign an NDA for it to be, what's the word, um, held up in court basically. So if you uh, are tricked into signing an NDA, if you can prove that you were tricked into signing an NDA, then I don't think that that's the case. Now, that was a couple of years ago. This is a People article. Influencer Brittany Dawn sued by state of Texas for allegedly misleading clients with eating disorder. So this was filed on February 1st. The state of Texas has sued Dallas influencer Brittany Dawn Davis, accusing her of misleading customers who had eating disorders. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed the lawsuit against Davis and her company, Brittany Dawn Fitness LLC, in the Dallas County Court on February 1st. According to court documents seen by People, in 2014, Davis began selling online fitness packages, offering customized nutritional guidance and fitness coaching. Thousands of customers purchased packages that were priced from $92 for a one-time consultation to $300 for three months of individualized coaching and training, the document state. The attorney general alleges that the plans were not personalized as promised and claims Davis and her company largely ignored consumer complaints, including those who, who almost passed out from inadequate nutrition. So yeah, in 2019 is when all of this came to light and she uh, pulled her website and issued the apology on YouTube, the legal documents note. The eating disorder comments on here is basically saying that she had spoken about her own issues with eating disorders and then now she's living a healthy lifestyle essentially and that that made it so that people with eating disorders who were trying to be better and trying to make healthier choices thought that they could rely on this program, okay? And that it was kind of sold to them because all of the videos talking about it from her also linked her program. Once they shared, hey, I have an eating disorder, I need to be eating more, I'm not getting enough weight, they were then given large cardio diets and or less meal plans that had very little nutritional value that or, or very low calorie counts so that it would only lead to more weight loss, basically. So that's that. She's being sued by the state of Texas. I'm assuming that's going to come out more and we'll hear more about that as that's unfolding. And, you know, I think that goes to say that, like, you know, when you get involved with these things like this, like, obviously 2019 is when all this fell apart. She has since gone full uh, religious influencer since then. She probably thinks she thought she was in the clear from everything that happened in 2019. And obviously this is happening now from the state of Texas. I just think that this is the goes around to say that like eventually shit catches up with you and you can't just do whatever you want for money. Speaking of doing whatever you want for money, let's talk about the David Dobrik, Jeff Wittick situation because there's more now. So uh, for my Swell Entertainment YouTube channel, I have my Patreon which I do monthly live streams on. And previously we talked about this on that live stream. So 
So if you are potentially one of my patrons, this is going to sound like a broken record to you, but I still have a lot of feelings about this. Those of you who don't know, David Dobrik is a YouTuber slash, I don't know, I think he counts as an influencer. He does pretty big brand deals. He is a content creator, mainly on YouTube. He has the Views podcast with his friend, uh, Jason Nash, but he is mainly known for YouTube and his YouTube group, The Vlog Squad, okay, which is him and a bunch of his friends. They do skits, they do pranks, they do stunts, all of that. During the pandemic, at the very start of the pandemic, when lockdown started going into place, David was like, okay, I don't wanna be canceled for going out and about and doing a bunch of crazy stuff with my friends during the pandemic. So I'm gonna stop making content because he didn't want to make content only at home with his friends, even though he had so many friends, they could probably figure something out. You know, like, I don't know. I think that the problem with the vlog squad is that they're always trying to top themselves. And so the fact that they didn't think, huh, in our mega mansion, we can't have all my friends move in and then still make content. That's insane to me. Cause I feel like there's so many types of content you can make and make, Hey, I'm speaking with from hindsight. You know, I was able to launch my career during the pandemic around June of 2020 is when things started getting a little more lax. So he thought he was going to be able to come back. He got all of his friends on a trip to, I believe, Utah, okay, to go and on a trip for a big video of let's come back to YouTube. Big deal. He got a excavator, like a fucking industrial excavator, brought it to the lake with a bunch of his friends, tied a rope to the end of it, and was whipping his friends around on the excavator in shallow water. I believe the video that was later put out, this video from his perspective has yet to come out or probably will never come out. Um, the one that did come out is the one from Jeff, which I will talk about when he did a docu-series on this later. But what ended up happening is he brought his friend Corinna on first and he was whipping her around a little bit. Her foot started slipping from the rope. She freaked out and she was like, put me down, put me down. And she told him, you take things too far. Basically making it very clear, this is not safe. I did not feel safe. Like she was pissed. No one else was gonna go on. So Jeff went on because he wanted to make a good video. David's like, come on, let's go. Let's get on all of that. David, again, is driving this excavator. He does not have the proper permits for it. He's not in adequate position. I don't think these things are supposed to be used in shallow water at all, let alone to whip people around on. So I personally have seen the footage that was not included of Jeff physically smacking into the side and him falling. Like I've seen that footage. It's sickening. It's disgusting. The sound he makes, it's so upsetting. Okay. And so what ended up happening was that Jeff got on it, whipped it around, ripped him a little too fast. He went up, he went down, he slammed into the side of the crane and fell into the water. Basically, he has probably permanent brain damage and he nearly lost his eye. He has since had over nine surgeries, including one more recently to try and repair his eye and hopefully regain more full view in his eye. Okay. He's still having issues seeing. When all this came out, it was, I believe, in 2021 when the docuseries came out. And he said that he does not blame David. He knows that it was an accident. He was like, I don't blame David. David is helping pay for medical bills, all this stuff. David feels awful, horrible. This was an accident. And basically Jeff was very clearly protecting David, okay? And at the time he was on painkillers and he has admitted that now, because again, he just had surgery, he is still on painkillers. He shared that uh, on his podcast and on a video that he actually was going to make a full video about what happened, but he was on painkillers and he was like, it's unreleasable. I was too heated. Like I, I was on painkillers. I can't share this video. So 
I'm pointing that out now. But basically, this whole series comes out talking about Jeff sharing about his recovery, trying to get better, trying to regain sight in his eye and everything. So aside from the Jeff stuff, there was a bunch of other things that came out while David was actually on hiatus from posting vlogs including uh, Seth, who was a former member of the vlog squad coming out and speaking about allegations of sexual harassment and things like that for things that were actually in vlogs that uh, David like kept trying to trick him into and all this other shit. Like it's a whole bunch of stuff. And then there was allegations of uh, sexual assault against another member of the vlog squad that it was alleged that David helped hide and cover up and also continue to give this person a platform after it was brought to his attention. David then made one shit apology video and then another video later where he's like, obviously I created an environment where people felt they couldn't come and talk to me because they didn't and X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to create a system of checks and balances so that people have you know, resources to go to if they want something taken from the vlog or to get help and X, Y, and Z that, so it's not just me. I am not the only person to go to and all of that. And he said he wasn't going to start making videos again until that was the case and that was set up. Then he started making videos again a couple of months later, I believe. And uh, none of that was addressed. So personally, I stopped supporting David prior to that when all of this was coming out with the stuff about the vlog squad, because there was nothing good coming out. And so I stopped watching the videos prior to that and all of that. But when David came back, I purposefully was like, there's no proof that any of this is put into place. Like he said it was, we were just supposed to, I guess, take it at face value that, oh, just assume that it was put into place without any proof. That's my question about it, where I was like, nope, I'm done. I don't like this. There, Someone's got to hold this dude accountable. And I, I clearly am not the person to do it, but I'm just, I'm out, you know? So Stop supporting it there. But now he has continued to make videos since then. And a bunch of stuff has happened since then, according to Jeff. Specifically, one of the events that happened with Jeff where Jeff was like starting to realize that maybe David didn't care that he had hurt him as much as he had, which you can have your own opinions. But if I was the culprit, if I was the one who had nearly killed one of my friends, I would be devastated. I would never forgive myself. I would do everything for them. You know, you need to move into my house now. I'm taking care of you. You know, medical bills, I'm paying those. You know, like I, you want my firstborn? I would never forgive myself for that, okay? For nearly killing someone, especially a friend of mine. Maybe that's just me being holding myself to a higher standard than David. Maybe that's it. And maybe that's why I'm so incensed by all of this and why this pisses me off so much. Because what we are hearing now from Jeff is now pointing more to this being just completely unforgivable on David's part. So a couple of things happened in the months following the docuseries coming out, including some things with the medical bills because David was going to pay the medical bills because that was one of the things Jeff said, like, look, I'm not going to sue you, but like, just pay my hospital bills. That's just, I, I, like, I, I can't work in this time, so someone needs to help me pay those. And David said he was going to do it, but they were all still in Jeff's name. So at least one bill in particular was never paid. And it then now has affected Jeff's credit to the point that he cannot go and buy a house because of, you know, the 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 dip to his credit because of this unpaid bill. And medical debt is a fucking menace, okay? I, I have not experienced medical debt, but multiple people in my family and in my circle have experienced medical debt. It's a fucking menace, okay? And it's, it's awful. And so the fact that Jeff was put in a position where he was told this is going to be taken care of 
and again, at the hands of someone else, this is done to him. It's not like he was driving recklessly and then this happened. No, he was, his friend nearly killed him. So that's one instance where Jeff is sharing. Another instance, he talked about how he was in a vlog more recently and Courtney uh, Kardashian was on the phone with him or something because David likes to involve as many celebrities and Kardashians and whatever into his videos as he can. And he puts Courtney Kardashian on the phone or whatever and is like, yeah, look, he did something stupid, like talking about like Jeff's injuries, basically. And he didn't say anything in the moment, but apparently he later told David, listen, I'll take this on the chin. I won't sue you, but we're not going to pretend like this is all my fault. Like we're not going to pretend like I did something stupid when you nearly killed me, which I think is fair. Yeah. Hey, hey, if you nearly killed me, if I'm not suing you, we're not allowed to joke about this. No, no, it's not funny right now, especially when he is ongoing in, into surgery. So then there was another instance where more recently he had another surgery. He kept expecting David to reach out to him and ask how it went because apparently David knew about the surgery, never got any check-in, never got any, hi, how are you doing? None of that. And, uh, that was part of it where it was just like, okay, cl clearly you don't care about me or our friendship because you're not worried about me whatsoever with these ongoing surgeries that I'm having because of a stunt for your video. But then also what happened, and this is apparently the, the definitive final straw for Jeff, where he was like, there's no, no, we're done. I I'm no longer, you know, supporting David. This is done was David is apparently filming a docu-series about the incident and about other things specifically. One of the producers reached out to Jeff and gave him a clip as like a, hey, here's a heads up. And apparently in this clip, again, this clip has not been made public at the time of me recording this. The clip is saying that Jeff is the reason that this accident happened. Like, oh, Jeff is always wanting to make bigger and better videos. And this is all kind of his fault. Basically, I don't think he said that he specifically says this is his fault, but basically overly implied that the state that Jeff is in now, the accident, all of that is Jeff's own fault and that it's not David's fault to kind of distance himself from the event. And that is where Jeff is drawing the line. And I agree, that's fucked. And someone's going to be like, well, Jeff got on the thing, you know, but then he says, Jeff is now saying that he has terabytes of footage and 20 people on the beach that were there. And in the footage, you can see there are plenty of people on the beach there that were filming as well as David filming from the crane itself that Jeff is claiming that David said that I'll take it slower for you. Like it's going to be slower. I just want to do it out here because it, it'll look more cinematic with the background of the lake. He's basically implying that he was misled by David in the situation, which, hey, yes, if I am told that, oh, you're going to go one speed and then you go a different one, that's on you. You lied, <laughs> you know, like this is, uh, but apparently Jeff is going on the H3, H3 podcast to talk more about the situation. I hope, I, I just wish Jeff the best, you know, at this situation, you know, this is something that's probably going to affect him for the rest of his life. And that's awful. And, you know, to lose your entire support system in that time, because he's friends with everyone in the vlog squad. And he has said, he's like, I'm sure I'm going to lose friends because of this, because I'm going against David, because like Jeff used to, they all rely on David for content and their jobs. They most of them owe David their jobs, including Jeff. Jeff would not have the same audience he is now if it weren't for David. And so at that point, you kind of feel like you owe that person everything. And so uh, there, he's also worried about losing Jason because him and Jason are good friends. But Jason and David are business partners, at least in the Views podcast and in more. Jason definitely relies on David. And there have been instances in the past where uh, when Trisha and J Trisha Paytas 
was dating uh, Jason Nash. And one of the times when they were breaking up, Trisha made a video saying that Jason had gone to Trisha and said, David thinks you're bad for our brand, so we can't date publicly anymore. We have to keep it quiet. And uh, basically, everyone was ready to fall in line to support that. Now, again, this is a claim from Trisha that has not been backed up since. But I'm not surprised if that is the case because David has control over everything and all these people are relying on him. If he goes to them and says, hey, Jeff is out, we can't have this handled. And keep in mind, David making a statement like he did last year when all this other stuff and these allegations were coming out, that's not normal for David. David is usually a let's let it blow over and not comment on anything type of person. Okay. He doesn't get involved in his own scandals. I think that was why a lot of people took his statement as like a big deal. Cause it's like, wow, he is addressing it. This is cool. This is important, which is insane. But like, I think more than anything, we're not going to get anything from David out of this situation, which is fucked personally. The other thing that Jeff shared, I didn't touch on is uh, for his own docu-series that he released last year talking about the situation. He gave David control over it as well, where he said, look, anything you want me to cut out, I'll cut out. And so when David came over after one of the surgeries that Jeff had had, instead of like checking in with Jeff, he just went right over to the computer and started clipping out things from the documentary. And like just threw himself into the editing to control it. And he says, now, if there's anything I regret, it's giving him control over my story of what happened to me, which uh, I hate this whole situation. I think it's awful. I think it sucks. I think that long-term things affecting your health are awful, you know? So it's just, uh, I hate this. Anyway, David's unforgivable in my eyes at this point. I It would take a lot at this point for me to be like, yeah, he seems okay. Like it would really take a lot, you know, personally. And someone's going to be like, well, that's shitty of you. That's fine. You can absolutely think that's shitty of me, but everyone has their limits. And personally, uh, showing very little remorse when you nearly killed someone, that's where my hard stop is. We're done. No, no support from me. No, you're, you're irredeemable now. The end. That's going to be it. I know we're ending on a super fun note, uh, but that's going to be it for this episode. Once again, sorry for no episode last week. Hopefully I'll figure out some more uh, guests and I'll bring more people on for you guys because I know those episodes are always fun when I bring people on and we talk about various shenanigans and topics and all of that. If you guys have any suggestions, shoot me an email and we'll check it out. Um, if you'd also like to send in your own shenanigan, be sure to send it to swell shenanigans podcast at gmail.com or send a voice memo to the anchor website for the swell shenanigans podcast. And you can send in a voice memo if you hit the little message plus button. And that's really going to be it. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And if you want new podcast episodes every Wednesday, thank you. Goodbye.